Here in the U.S., fall and winter are just around the corner. I'm sorry to remind you of that. But that also means it's time to get some new gear. If you wear men's clothes and you're under five foot eight, look your autumn best with Ash and Erie. Honestly, I have a hard time finding clothes that fit my body as lovingly as what I've gotten from the folks at Ash and Erie. I'm also stockpiling their selection of crew sweaters, which I wear to death. They have an impressively accurate fitting chart, and the team is quick and very available for any questions you have. Go to ashenerie.com slash othermen and use the promo code OTHERMEN, one word, for 15% off your order. You'll look great. Send me a pic and I'll confirm. Prologo. Other men need friends. My first big breakup happened when I was in my mid-twenties. It was with my college sweetheart, Nadine. Somewhere in the process of getting over her, and as an act of self-cleansing, I decided, and I'm not fully sure why, to sell my VHS and DVD collection. I felt like this library of life guidance had failed me. I created an Amazon account to individually sell all the movies. And the day before I would go to the post office to ship, I had this ritual where I would cook a burrito, which was just a tortilla filled with boxed rice and beans with some tuna, and rewatch whatever movie was about to leave my library. And what this kind of ended up being was time spent with the men who comforted me from my youth and young adulthood. The gangsters, gunslingers, and inmates from my movie library. So every day, heartbreak burritos and tough guys. And every day, I caught myself rewinding scenes where men were physically affectionate. And I don't know if it was a light bulb moment or the void of care I was facing in my life, but I was like, Jesus, there seem to be only a few places where men are allowed to be like really physically affectionate, like sports, prison, war, or being a gangster. From what I learned, mobsters touch each other a lot, especially. They're always putting arms around other tough guys, smacking each other's faces, smushing cheeks, and saying things like, this fucking guy. I wanted a this fucking guy. I needed a this fucking guy. But I wasn't gonna whack someone or go to Shawshank prison to get someone to show me affection. Where else did men embrace like that? And it hit me. I knew one place 
not covered in any movie or TV show. The International Arrival Gate at the airport. I'm Mark Bagan, and you're listening to Other Men Need This Fucking Guy. Ho-ho! Atto primo. The comfort in hairy arms. My mom and I used to go to Dulles International Airport a lot to pick up my dad, who traveled abroad a lot. It would be so late that the shops and restaurants were closed, and I felt like I was always standing around in my pajamas. And not only that, but my dad had departed some country at 11 p.m., but was somehow scheduled to arrive at Dulles at the same time. How did this make sense? Because it was late, there were only custodial staff and people waiting to pick up loved ones and friends. Every time I went, I had front row seats to something truly magical. Now, I know that there were women there, but all I remember were men. Lots of men. They wore sandals like the dads of my Middle Eastern friends. Or they wore these white shirts like my tios wore that had little circular holes and big pockets to keep cigars and fingernail clippers in. Just exposed. Stoic, international, tired men. Just waiting. Then, the international arrival doors open. Those same stoic, tired men turned into little boys looking for their best friend. There he is. There he is. Oh, there he is. Friend over there. And the show began. Reunions everywhere. Best friend. Best friend. Best friend. In every single language. Language. International language. Not English. Enthusiastic words that aren't in English. Enthusiastic words that aren't in English. Language. That is not in English. I saw lots of hairy arms just wrapped around hairy shoulders and other hairy arms. Just so much hair, like watching giant magnets that looked like Caribbean uncles just attached to each other. (laughs) And it wasn't just strangers. Every time I went with my dad and we'd wait at the arrival gate for a friend of his or a brother, He turned into the same little boy and had the same Olympic embrace with the men he was so excited to see. They also hugged me too and said bendito or mijo, and it was amazing and also so dangerous because of the venomous amounts of Old Spice cologne I probably inhaled. But I gotta tell ya, it was blissful. I'd never been to an opera, but I'd been to the opera. For that short amount of time, whenever I was there, this small piece of real estate in Northern Virginia was the safest place in the world. 
I wanted to be ready for this as an adult. So I used to practice these greetings in my bedroom, like a boy might practice making a hook shot or unhooking a bra. And I'd imagine all the friends that would greet me all over the world when I got older. Maybe a friend in Milan or Dakar or Calcutta. The ultimate would be a fellow Caribbean man who showed up at Aeropuerto Caribeño to pick me up with two motorcycle helmets. And I'd walk past passport control. The doors would open to a burst of tropical air. I'd scan all the faces waiting for their dearest. And I'd find that one port of call friend just smiling and saying those magic words. Well, 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 who let this guy into the country? And then we turn into magnets. Atto secondo, the search for a parcero. I met Fabian in college. He was a few years older than me from coastal Colombia and had a daughter back home in Cartagena. In hindsight, we didn't have much in common besides drinking Labatt Blue, we went to school in Canada, and talking about movies. Then again, that was every friend I made in my 20s. But there were a few things that made Fabian stand out. He was Latino. And while I had friends from all over... This is really hard to admit. I didn't really have a lot of Latino friends growing up. I just didn't have a lot of Spanish-speaking friends. And I really, really, really felt that void. And Fabian did something that I associated with Caribbean men. He'd put his arm around me and interchangeably call me amigo, hermano, or parcero. I honestly didn't know this was true until saying it right now, but that was one of the most significant things someone said to me in college. Even though I couldn't put my finger on it, he gave me the thing I wanted most. Like how people want someone to give them a nickname. I just wanted someone to tell me I was their friend in the language our fathers spoke. Even if there wasn't much else we had in common, that was a strong enough bond for me. I didn't remain super close to Fabian when I left college. We stayed in touch here and there, and I figured there'd be a time when we'd see each other in person again. After the breakup with Nadine, when I was watching and getting rid of all these movies and having all these thoughts, Fabian came back into my mind. I was 25, never traveled internationally to visit a friend, I would go to South America and visit my friend Fabian. I contacted him. He said it was totally fine. I bought my tickets. And I started daydreaming. Maybe there would be motorcycles. I could meet some ladies. And there would be adventures that would involve crocodiles or something. Nadine would find out about all of this and get jealous. And imagine all the gambling and sophisticated women who were asking me to stay because this town was not ready for what I was bringing. I was going to South America, amigo, 
and some goddamn memories were about to be made. Atto terzo. The arrival aria. I had convinced myself that the purpose of this trip was to get over my ex. It was to sow my wild oats, have some crazy stories, and I should have been imagining all the cool scars and hickeys I was going to get. And instead, I kept imagining my airport reunion with Fabian, just over and over again on that flight. And the thought of it was making my eyes water. I landed at Rafael Nunez International Airport at 4 p.m., grabbed my two carry-on bags, perched my sunglasses on top of my head, and then put them in my bag, just in case they got knocked off when Fabian greeted me. I left the plane, went through passport control, and my heart started beating fast. I exited the international rival doors and felt that warm burst of Caribbean air and saw tons of people waiting with flowers, cameras, even balloons. I had a bit of like a 70s strut, like I just got introduced to come join Johnny Carson for my interview on The Tonight Show. My ears were open, waiting for that familiar, there he is, Mark, you son of a bitch, music to my ears. But I didn't hear anything. Okay. I scanned all the faces. It had been a few years. Maybe Fabian looked way different. But there was no one at all that looked like my old friend. I waited near the crowd of people for like 10 minutes. Then I made my way to a nearby bench and just scoped out the whole room, looking very carefully at everyone. Nothing. I talked to airport security, maybe there was another gate. Nope, no other gate. I went to the cafes, restaurants, bathrooms, nothing. 45 minutes and not a damn sighting. And just when I was about to find some way to get internet to contact Fabian, I glanced near the entrance doors and saw a long-haired dude that looked like the long-haired dude I used to know playing Snake on his Motorola phone. It was Fabian. When I approached him, he looked up and said, Hey, what's up, man? No, son of a bitch. No, who let you into this country? No magnet energy. Instead, he gave me a cold fish hug, like one arm around my body, with enough space between his arm and my back to land a plane, and the only physical contact was two tentative backpats, like he was checking whether the running water was too hot. And then he asked me for some money to get the car out of the lot. I can't say the week was terrible. I was in South America. I had hot chocolate and cheese. We talked, but it was mostly me listening to his video game ideas. Fabian twitchy with the shades drawn like I was hanging with Edward Snowden. There were no women, 
But I did go into an internet cafe at some point and chatted with my ex over Messenger about what a wild time I was having. And she said, that sounds cool. Then we took the inevitable drive back to the airport where I got a similar hug, a thanks for coming, and that was it. Fifteen years later, I've gotten over Nadine. I'd even say we're friends at this point in our lives. But I never talked to Fabian again. Epilogo. The airport opera. I've tried my best to accurately count. And I think I've been to at least 50 different airports since that arrival in Cartagena. Which, in the words of my ex, is pretty cool. Some of these trips have been for work, a lot more for pleasure. But I never gave up believing that I, too, would one day have an airport opera of my own. And when I arrive somewhere, sometimes I'll just linger at the arrival gate, catching all the reunions I can. I've seen everyone from young farmer-looking dudes in Sioux Falls to older men in Georgia hold each other like their bellies were pushing citrus together to squeeze out juice. From big hubs to smaller regional airports, Port Authority to bus depots and sleepy Bolivian towns. If you look, the arrival opera that I love so much is alive and well. And you may be wondering, did it ever happen for me? Well, yes, that dream airport arrival does exist. It just has a lot of different, beautiful melodies. Like Edgar, who was working when I arrived at the airport to visit him, but paid for a town car to pick me up with coffee inside. And when I got to his house, he was off work and gave me a bear hug, which is truly what it was because he is bear-like. Or there's a time I went to Panama and was embraced by my close friend who was living there for research. And that same friend drove me to the international departure gate for a trip just because he had a work van for one day and wanted to see me off. And then there's Natty, who is in no way Caribbean. But when I got to Cape Town, South Africa to visit him, he threw his arms around me and kept repeating, it's great to see you, brother. I'm now at that delightful age where some of the hair is gone, and I can correctly pronounce and wear guayaberas. I'm not a sandal guy, but I do have loafers, an appropriate non-venomous amount of cologne, and my watch band sits very nicely in the midst of my dark arm hair. And most importantly, I know the moves I've been practicing. For that friend who walks past passport control and comes through the doors to where I'm waiting near the baggage carousel at JFK. And I'm ready to say those magic words. Hey, <laughs> who let this guy into the country? Which, honestly, I'm not sure is safe to say out loud at airports anymore.
Questo episodio è stato scritto, prodotto e condotto da Mark Pagan. La regia di questa stagione è di Caitlin Mae Burke. Alla produzione Ben Goldberg e Rebecca Seidel. Rebecca è anche il nostro tecnico del suono. Consulenza editoriale di Nicole Hill. L'assistente di produzione è Sochil Tapia. Il piccione Valentina è il testimonial di questa stagione. La musica originale per questa stagione è dei Fulton Street Music Group, scritta da Ed Duran, prodotta da Alex Fulton, con arricchimenti strumentali di Ryan Chamberlain e Liam Moore. Le illustrazioni della terza stagione vengono dalle talentuose mani di Carmela Caldart. Un ringraziamento speciale a Larry Rosen e Sierra Franco. Scopri di più sul nostro programma su Other Men Need Help. Com. Spero che vi sia piaciuto lo spettacolo di oggi. Io sono il vostro imbonitore, Jonathan Zenti. Torneremo tra qualche settimana con un nuovo episodio e nel frattempo adios, ciao ciao, bye, arrivederci, ci vediamo, statemi bene, non mancate, ciao! Hello friend, hello friend, friend, there he is, there he is. oh there he is, hello friend, Bert. hello my friend, friend, best friend, best friend, best friend, hello friend, best friend. Best friend.